<laughs> Don't mind Jeff. He's we hungover. It was his birthday party. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> last night. We, we all kicked <laughs> happy birthday parties last night, I think. So. Yeah. You're not I'm not. Whoa, now you are. Jesus Christ. Am I loud now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can you just remember to talk into the microphone? Yeah, I will. This is going to be rough. (laughs) Incorporated in 1875, proclaimed as the city of destiny, Tacoma has maintained itself as the city of grit. Tacoma kept its in-your-face artistry and individuality that sets it apart from anywhere else in the world. Our never-say-die attitude continues to this day. We are honored to bring to you those who live in Tacoma and its surrounding areas, whose contributions are what bring this city to life. The reputation is real. Welcome to the Grid City Podcast. Here are your hosts. Welcome to the Grit City Podcast. I am Justin. I'm Scott. I'm Jeff. Yeah, Jeff's here. Sweet. He sounds funny in the other room. He does. So Jeff is in uh, his own isolation booth right now. We could call it a production booth. We're down here at the Union Club, which is a a great place that we have, have podcasted here for a while now. Yeah, I don't... Yeah. It's been a minute. It's, it's been a minute. at least a year, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we're upstairs where the kitchen is because I... Mostly baked a pizza, and Jeff is in the conference room, just uh, hidden away from everyone. And he says that uh, he can hear us, so I hopefully he can. He's gonna fall asleep because he's hungover. Because <laughs> really yeah. last night was his birthday party. Happy birthday, Jeff! Thank you. Sorry I couldn't make it, but uh, it sounds like the, you had enough to drink for everyone. Yes. <laughs> One word answers from Jeff today, <laughs> so that's what we're gonna get. So with us today, we've got Brian Turbush with us. Brian, how are you doing, sir? Doing well, thank you. Like seriously, thank you for coming on on a Sunday uh, morning or afternoon. Is it? More? It's afternoon, isn't it's afternoon, it? Afternoon, yeah. It's afternoon. Yeah, we're running a little bit behind, but it's. Uh, thank you. I don't. I don't think that you're as uh, hungover as us. So, (laughs) but I really actually am very happy that you showed up today because you're with something that is very important. And we've talked about emergency preparedness uh, before, but I think it's a really, really important to do so because we just had the, uh, the, the shakeout. was the name of the the full name of that? We did advertising. You for did it. advertising for it. I know, it. and I said it, but Great Washington Shakeout. Thank you. Was that's it? it? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> nice, perfect. And so uh, that has just uh, just occurred uh, about a week or so ago. Um, but we still want to bring up the information on um, the emergency preparedness for stuff like earthquakes, um, for volcanoes because we have volcanoes in this area, and just in general. So uh, tell yeah. us a little bit about the program that you work with. Uh, So I work for Washington State Emergency Management Division. I know you've had folks from Tacoma Emergency Management on there before. And, uh, well, there's FEMA, the Federal Emergency Management. I'm kind of the in-between layer. Oh, nice. work for the state. And Uh, so you cover the entire state then? That's the focus, yeah. Okay, perfect. Just the whole state. (laughs) (laughs) Just the state. And so when dealing with with all of this and for the preparedness and uh, with the Washington State Emergency Management Division, um, you're looking to put out uh, information and get the word out on what people can do to remain safe when these things could possibly occur. Yeah, our main job is to work with uh, preparedness and make sure people understand their hazards so that they can make informed decisions about getting prepared. And one of the things I've noticed, because you guys got a multitude of websites, uh, the Instagram, uh, also on Facebook, uh, Twitter, and YouTube as well. The YouTube, I thought, was really great because they have yeah. the, the short videos on just 
specific topics on home preparedness. So I think that is really fantastic, and we're going to direct people to that as well to make sure that they can watch all those. Have you been watching them? I have been. Aww. Yeah. Well, I mean, I want to prepare, but then I also got it's it's the wormhole. Like you know about that, where I'm just watching all of these, and it's it's better than the public freakout videos that uh, you actually got me into watching. So. <laughs> At sorry, least I'm a sorry. little bit more prepared at that point. <laughs> at least um, you're watching them, though, right? Yeah. That's, that's the most important thing. Exactly. Uh, if they want to go to just a straight website, where's, what's the best website for them to go to to uh, get the information? For preparedness in general, I would say uh, mill.wa.gov slash preparedness. Perfect. But we also have slash earthquake slash volcano. And that was, I wanted to bring yeah. up the volcano one. Because <laughs> first off, you go there and I, I know that people realize uh, about Mount St. Helens and they realize that Mount Rainier, both of those are volcanoes. But there's actually a lot more, uh, more even major volcanoes in this area. Well, aren't you yeah. like a specialist for volcanoes and earthquakes or something? Yeah, so I'm the earthquake and volcano. <laughs> I'm the Earthquake and Volcano Program Coordinator, so okay. that is my specialty here. Okay. Um, and so we have the, the two that I mentioned of uh, the volcanoes. What are some of the other volcanoes, the major ones in this area? You know any? No. I just know I'm scared of them. <laughs> that's all I know of, man. Well, that's fair. So we got, like you said, Mount Rainier, Mount St. Helens. Mount Adams is also a volcano. Oh, okay. Um, Mount Baker, if you go up almost to the border, that's ours and Canada's volcano. Oh, nice. And sure. then we also have Glacier Peak hiding out there. Where's Glacier Peak at? So it's in Snohomish County, kind of oh, to okay. the east a little bit. It, it hides in there, but it's definitely an active volcano. And when you hear this sort of stuff, uh, you okay with there? No, I'm like, which one scares you the most? <laughs> <laughs> Probably the one I see the most. Rainier. Um, yeah. Rainier. Dude, it freaks me out every time I look at it. Every mm-hmm. time I look at it, I imagine it like going off. Like, really? Yeah, every time. And I'm like, every time? Yes, almost every time. Yeah, yeah, you just live an out, anxious dude. life, don't you? Yeah, dude, you have no idea. Well, and also, I mean, you live in Puyallup. And well, yeah. so that's kind <laughs> of one of those interesting areas when you're down there because – uh, you hear every month the the the, the har siren, and yep. <laughs> uh, the first time my wife heard it, it freaked her out like really badly because she didn't have no idea what it was. Uh, then she heard it, uh, or she heard it, and then she looked it up and figured out, oh, that's what that is. But most people, I don't know if they even necessarily know what a lahar is. Uh, what is a lahar? Uh, so that's, yeah, that's a good thing to clarify. Yeah, yeah. This is a, we call it a volcanic mud flow. Okay. Um, it's an Indonesian word for it. So ours are mainly going to happen when snow and ice start to melt really rapidly. Mm-hmm. Um, in Indonesia, they're also really common because they get a lot of ash falling on the slopes of their volcanoes. Oh, okay. And then when a monsoon or something comes in, heavy rain, it just mobilizes all that ash to move downstream. Oh, geez. Oh, wow. Right. Um, but I really heard... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> See, I was just going to keep jumping in. I'm, like, oh, no, I'm super scared of this. You can do that, too. Oh. Um, so I heard that you um, you can actually have a lahar without uh, an eruption, right? You can just have enough gas or steam vents that happen and mud just flows down the hill. Is that true? Uh, it is possible, but that's extremely rare that we okay. have a lahar that reaches down into our river valleys without an eruptive activity. Okay. So last nine or ten eruptions of Mount Rainier. Uh, that's only even one of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> Over the last 10,000 years. Okay. That's, okay, yeah, you say the last like nine or ten of them. I'm like, how far back are we looking, <laughs> yeah, looking on this one? looking back that far. So, no, but that's one of the, I mean, Scott is terrified that the fact that the uh, volcanoes are going to erupt and, you know. I'm pretty scared of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the frequency on something like this? Uh, I mean, you said nine to ten in 10,000 years. Is that... Like, is that a normal sort of thing? Like every, I mean, on an average thousand years sort of thing? Or how does that even work out? So it's not really that regular. Um, They've seen some of them that sort of have repeating activity over a period of time. Like if you look, um, you can look at the Cascades Volcano Observatory um, from the USGS. Their website has a lot of good graphics on this. Oh, neat. 
it's like Mount Rainier kind of had a cluster of eruptions over a period of time, and then it's kind of stopped for a little while. Now, um, now when something like that happens, I mean, like you see the the doom and gloom, the uh, you know the ten point special that they have on the earthquakes and all of this stuff. Does that mean that we are quote unquote due for something, or does that does it even work that way? Yeah, geology is not like a library book is the way we like to put it. Um, <laughs> things are all going to happen when they happen, and it could be tomorrow. It could be in 30 minutes. It could be not in our lifetimes. That doesn't work um, for me. I need a date. <laughs> I need to put something in my uh, planner here. Well, unfortunately, as a volcano coordinator, I cannot do that. But um, I, I wish I could some days. <laughs> well, and, and so the the big thing on that is the the fact that we don't know when it could happen you should probably be always prepared in at least the basic sense on that. And what does that mean for when you're talking to people about emergency preparedness? What are some of the things that you absolutely need uh, when dealing with any sort of natural disaster, disaster situation? Well, so the, the tips we like to say are be informed, mm-hmm. make plans, build kits, and get involved. Um, so being informed, for one thing, is just understanding this idea of do versus overdue. And that this event that's going to happen without warning is extremely rare because we do monitor our volcanoes and they do kind of have this. They will give us warning before an eruption, not mm-hmm. necessarily before a huge landslide. But again, that's that's really rare. Man, that this Lahar would happen. Scott. I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. feeling better for a minute, but you just freaked me out again. <laughs> well, you can get this warning that there's going to be, say, an elevated unrest in activity. Okay, and um, you guys just get that from like um, earthquake. Yeah, I imagine. Yeah, so they have data. mainly seismometers out there. They have some GPS measuring it. You can tell if it's inflating. I like to think of this as taking like the heartbeat and blood pressure of the volcano. Ooh, neat. So you know if they go a little crazy. Now, also with that, I mean, we always say, I mean, that's getting your health measurement. But uh, you get something wrong with your health, you check WebMD. You go to the doctor. You, you, it's not don't, always cancer. The, yeah, yeah, not yeah. All don't unrest. always check WebMD, guys. I mean, don't ever go to WebMD. Seriously. No. <laughs> not all unrest is going to lead to an eruption. So, um, And uh, we saw that uh, recently in the last, I don't know how long ago it was. Um, you probably know because <laughs> you're an expert on these sort of things. Uh, the last time that we saw some activity from Mount St. Helens uh, recently, I mean, we had the eruption in 1980. Uh, and that was a gigantic event, which actually mm-hmm. someone... I don't know if they colorized, but they sh- uh, one of the pictures of the eruption from fairly close has been making the rounds online, and it just it looks it, it's astounding. Like it's in awesome in the actual meaning of like inspiring awe when you see this just gigantic plume of smoke and ash just and the mountain. mountain. It just yeah. explodes, right? Yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty unbelievable to see. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but when you're seeing something along the lines of the the steaming that was going on the the last decade or so, like that, what are you thinking when you see something along those lines? Because you said not everything ends in eruption. Were you guys expecting maybe something to happen on that end, or how does that? Yeah, how does that work? Uh, so that's why we like to have the experts look at it, mm-hmm. and they're watching it very closely. All of these. So again, they might. If something is happening, first thing they're going to do is put out an information statement. Mm -hmm. So again, that's going in this be informed. Know who the experts are that can give you this information. The experts are the people that have the instruments on the mountain. Awesome. Um, And you can sign up for a volcano notification service where you'll just get these alerts emailed right to you. Oh, really? uh, Yeah. Perfect. I can give you the website for that to go to. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll put that up right up on the uh, descriptor of this uh, podcast as well. So a lot of people can just click on right on straight on from uh, all the other things. Uh, What was the second uh, thing after be informed? Build kits. Yes. And uh, I'm very uh, enthused about this because my wife and I have just been talking about all this and we're like, okay, we need to figure out 
what we're going to put in a kit or even how long we should have a kit set for like three day kit or however long. What do you, what do you tell people about building a kit? So in general, at the state level, we always tell people to be two weeks ready, oh, 14 okay. days of supplies. Um, now, if you check with your local emergency management, I know you guys had Josh on here earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe if you asked Josh, he would say something different. But I believe they still say two weeks in Tacoma. Okay. Um, the idea for that is people will be coming to rescue you. Uh, but after a massive event like a Cascadia subduction zone earthquake, 9.0, um, you can have a lot of bridge damage, a lot of infrastructure, uh, things falling into the roads, landslides. It's going to take them time. Mm-hmm. You're going to be the first people that are responding. You're going to be the first responders. So, oh, that's a really good point on that. Yeah. We, yeah, just you and your community members. So we want people to be ready to kind of be on their own so they don't need help. You have the power to do that just a little bit at a time, and uh, you can have this kit ready. And that was uh, one thing you mentioned with the community was that when we were talking with Josh, it was those things. Yeah. that something as simple as just, hey, go and talk with your neighbors and figure out you might have a doctor in your neighborhood. And it might be good to know that because if somebody gets injured, mm-hmm. you know who to go to who may, may be in the neighborhood who can help out or at least direct people on things to do. Yeah, find out if there's a doctor in your neighborhood, if someone knows first aid or CPR, maybe if somebody has a chainsaw for trees that fall down, or on the other side, if there's somebody that you know you need to check on, somebody that might need help, have uh, medical equipment that might go out without the power. And that's, uh, I know we got a couple of uh, elderly people in our neighborhood, and it's one of those things, like the original owners of the houses in, in some of the cases. And so, yeah, something like that happens. It's like, well, we definitely need to go and hang out with them and make sure that they're okay on that end. Yes. Uh, and so with the with the two weeks prepared, is that like two weeks water, food? What are some of the other things that are really good to have in some of these emergency preparedness kits? Well, one thing a lot of people seem to forget is just um, if you're two weeks without power and water, um, you're going to need some comfort items. Just like this is not normal when you don't have power, when you don't have water for that long. Yeah. Um, so just something that makes you happy. I mean, like I, I have trouble without coffee for that long. So <laughs> I keep those little packets oh, yeah, of instant the coffee. Ones, yeah. Or even just those tea bags that are coffee, um, mm-hmm. chocolate-covered espresso beans. Those are fantastic. So, yeah, um, okay, that actually is a good thing because you think about all of the the small things. You know, oh, I need some sort of, like, radio or I need, like, a uh, – we got the, the hand-powered uh, lantern sort of thing. So yes. one of those things that doesn't need batteries because sometimes uh-huh. batteries are going to be in short supply. But you have those things. But even just having a comfort item, that makes a lot of sense. And I think a lot of people do overlook that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just all things that there's the very important things to life. You need warm warm clothes in case it's cold out, um, food, water, shelter, mm-hmm. but then also just the things that are going to make you happy. And man, if you're not if you're not thinking about like septic issues, Ooh, yeah. hygiene items, that sort of thing. Oh yeah, maybe just um, a bunch you of, will not be happy. <laughs> a bunch of baby wipes. See, I've been doing it right, dude, because I've been packing all the, the good things. I've been packing candy bars and lots of beer, mm-hmm. all, all yeah. the things that make me feel good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you done any of the other I got water. Things? Okay, lots of water, <laughs> or do you just have a couple of water no, bottles? I have, we have kits. We, it's funny, because we do. We have water, and then we have like some first aid kits and stuff, mm-hmm. stuff set around. I don't think we have much food. We just don't. I don't know why. I should probably. I don't know. Do you store food like that? Do you put food away? I knew. I had some neighbors who did that. They, they basically lined their garage with a lot of food they weren't necessarily like doomsday preppers but they were always very very prepared and i kind of always scoffed at that but now as being a little bit older and kind of understanding that you you just don't know what's going to happen and a lot of times you can get those non-perishable things and then even just having like some water uh they had those big gigantic tankers that you take out like camping sort of thing but the 
I was always wondering about that too. Is like, do you need to like, like, yeah, you have to rotate that? Yeah, shit. rotate the water, right? Because that was one of those things that I was like, you can't have it there for like five years and expect that. Well, you can. Well, <laughs> I guess it kind of works if you need it. Another thing that I found uh, found out about is I've got some uh, some family members who love to do like hiking and stuff. And they would have like the water bottle with the filter in it, but now they even make like filtration like just devices through like straws. And I think mm-hmm. those are pretty smart ideas to have because like I think just going to a camping store or like going on like a, at a hiking place like a like a brass bow bro bass pro <laughs> shop. I told you last night was a little rough, but the or even like the Cabela's or anything along those lines because they have a huge camping section right. and hiking and, and they're fun to shop in. They so are. why not why not just go and make it yeah. tent, right? <laughs> right. And so that's kind of those fun things to have on that. And I'd have to imagine that you guys have all the information uh for those emergency preparedness kits uh, uh right on the website as well. Yeah, we have our two weeks ready kit that looks like a little backpack and uh that's a fun brochure that a lot of people have. Um, and that's just kind of the idea. I was just trying to reinforce some of the things you might not think of when you think, why should I have comfort items? And then for rotating things out, I yeah. mean, there's always the idea you're supposed to check your smoke detector batteries every six months. Mm-hmm. Just make it a habit of maybe rotating out some water during that time as well. Nice. Um, right oh, I don't even have a smoke detector. It's so, not oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> might be good to have those as well. That's that's kind of a different type of preparedness. Just, yeah, but... <laughs> where are you living, man? Are you just living in a shack yeah. down by the Puyallup kind, River? Kind of. <laughs> Uh, and what was the third thing on your list of four? Uh, so they're kind of interchangeable, but uh, make plans is what we'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, so some ideas, if you have kids in school, how are you going to contact them? What's yeah. the school's reunification plan? That's a good thing to find out ahead of time because yeah. a lot of schools don't really like it when you show up in the middle of the day, when <laughs> adults show up in the middle of the day and try to take kids. Oh, yeah, that's probably yeah. a good call, especially, I mean, just the the simple fact of there's going to be uh, a lot of chaos going on and just having someone show up. It's like, yeah, it's my kid, but... Like how often is like one person who works there maybe one day a week who's like just like helping out really going to know what's going on and then it's like you might be the parent or uncle or something I'm yeah. not giving you your child and I'm glad they're <laughs> suspicious about that yeah <laughs> so, oh yeah right <laughs> yeah so just kind of find out what the plan is for the school don't immediately rush the school and try to pick people up but um, it's a good idea to have plans for different times that you spend a lot of time. Um, so maybe they're in school eight hours a day or so, and you're mm-hmm. at work eight hours a day. What about the other times? What's your plan for reunification anywhere they are? Know who to contact. And uh, just have like a, if you can make it there safely, a central location yes. to get to. Um, I know, I mean, a lot of people, I know all of us work in Seattle. And so mm-hmm. it's trying to figure out and talking with our significant others about where we're going to meet up because my wife works in Puyallup. So from Seattle to Puyallup, there's a large amount of area. So yeah. we actually have to have a pretty serious discussion on where we're going to hang out, I guess. Or yeah, man, because if the train's down or the freeway's packed or whatever, you're, you're stuck, right? And like every every movie and every TV show, the freeways are always packed. Right, so. of course they are. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, especially I mean around here. It's always the traffic's always ter- yeah, terrible. That's anyway. like normal day. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. You ever try to leave on like a Friday morning before uh, like Memorial Day or anything? Oh, you think you're going to get away with it at ten o'clock? Everything's packed. Yeah, just imagine if there's an earthquake or something, you're super screwed. <laughs> and oh, oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say you you plan ahead for that though. You know the traffic is going to be really bad. Yeah, this is another time where you might know the traffic is going to really be really bad. So yeah, <laughs> maybe in a different way for a much longer time. But think about bridges that might be out. And, that's a good uh, point. 
I know uh, my wife's been looking at scooters, like Uh-oh. like the little 50cc scooters. Yeah. She wants to make one that looks like Pikachu. And uh, <laughs> I told her I'd ride it. I don't know if I'm going to buy my own, but I'll ride with it. She wants to make a scooter club. You ride behind her? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll ride bitch on it. I'd do it. We'll see how that works out. Little 50cc ain't going to take me anywhere. I tried to use those uh, Lime scooters. You saw it. I can't go it up went a hill fine. on those. I couldn't go up a hill with it. It was fine. but i mean even something like that it's like an alternative little uh, source of transportation as well and having something like that that's a little more a little more maneuverable and i know some people love their dirt bikes especially just riding around tacoma you see them everywhere yeah they're fun yeah are they yeah they are (laughs) i'm afraid i usually wipe out on stuff like that so uh having all that different sort of preparedness is kind of neat on that as well sounds good uh and then finally what was the last one of the four we're talking about getting getting involved. Mm-hmm. Um, so Josh was talking about CERT for one thing, the Community oh, yeah, Emergency yeah. Response Team. Uh, that's one way you can do it, just train in basic search and rescue, but also you're meeting a bunch of other people that are interested in that. Um, but there's other groups you can do. Uh, we always talk about Map Your Neighborhood. That's a program. And that's also on our EMD Prepare YouTube channel, all the courses. This is just getting together with people, and uh, that, that's the same thing. Just find out uh, the people in your community who has that chainsaw, who has that training. Mm-hmm. Um, but then other things, like I've listened to you guys a few times, and you've Uh-oh. had some great community folks where <laughs> oh, okay. uh, food is free Tacoma recently. Oh, yeah. Yes. There are a lot of community resources here that just getting to know about them, getting to know the people, going to events with them, that's really helpful because you, it's, say throw a block party instead of like isolating yourself from your neighbors because yeah. these are going to be the first people you talk to in a disaster. So go out and get to know them. Go do community events. And, and that's one of the, I mean, when I moved in, I, I bought my house. It was one of those uh, concerted efforts that I wanted to do. I wanted to A, know my neighbors, but uh, once a month we have our Safe Streets Neighborhood Watch Meeting. And I know that on the east side, there are a lot of different ones that have those and they partner with Safe Streets. And you can do, uh, you can go to their website and see the ones that they have because you can find the meetings in your area. And it's, it's like an hour a month that you're like spending doing this, but you get to see a lot of people and you get to see the different people that are around your area. So you, A, can recognize the ones, the people that are yeah. in your area. And then even they do stuff like every August, the second Tuesday of every August, maybe the first one, uh, they have National Night Out. Which is literally a sponsored block party by Safe Streets and others to say, hey, here are all the people in your neighborhood because people will come out for free food. You did that this year, right? Yeah. It was fun? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. You meet a lot of people? Yeah. And this one was a little bit more than one last year. It was smart enough because they put it where there's some trees, so there was some shade. Nice. So we weren't just uh, uh, roasting in the sun. Did you write down the doctor's? Uh, no. <laughs> what? Well, Have no, you not I been paying attention? That. No, I, I didn't think about that. I was too busy eating hot dogs. It was really good. I know. But no, it's a good point, though. But it's kind of weird, too. It's like, so, what's your name? What's your occupation? Do, are you an EMT? Do you yeah, have guns yeah. in your house by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> any extra medical equipment laying around? Yeah, how big is your backyard? I'm just trying to figure this out. You're going to be kind of a creeper on that end. A little bit. But at that same point, if you can get people at the National Night Out to come to your normal... Um, meetings or even having just them to do these sort of things. Then you can spread your creepiness out over the course of the year. Yeah. <laughs> in, in not so many words, yes. <laughs> but yeah, it would be learning about your neighbors and finding out what they do. And then, you know, yeah, maybe making a mental tally of the people that, you know, getting their information and all that stuff. Mental like, tally, Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. 
Well, maybe the Map Your Neighborhood program is a good example of how you can make that a little less creepy feeling, then, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah. And um, if you have a meeting specifically for it. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's and formalizing that, it. Yeah. And at that point, they know what they're coming in for, and it's not just measuring the shape of your skull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I turned that into real creep, didn't I? A little bit. Damn it. Damn it. But, I mean, preparedness is uh, not creepy, right? Well, it wasn't. <laughs> it wasn't before. <laughs> and sorry about that. Uh, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, we're here with Brian from the Earthquake Involved. And I'm just terrible at this. I'm really bad. We're here with Brian from the Washington State Emergency Management Division talking about earthquakes and volcanoes. We're going to BS a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. And we've got some coaster questions. Oh, I was going to ask that if we had some. We do. Nice. We have a couple of coaster questions. So we'll be back in just a minute. One of our great sponsors is the Union Club in Tacoma. This is the co-working space down here that has all levels of membership from the cafe membership all the way up to a private office, events and happenings. And if you wanted to host an event at the Union Club, they have a great hall that is semi-private, 2,400 square feet, wet bar and small deck and fits 200 people standing. Pricing for members are always cheaper and to become a member, all you have to do is go to W www.unionclubtacoma.com We're doing coaster questions here. Oh, yeah. And we got some good coaster questions. Now, if people don't know what coaster questions are, this spawned from when we had Mark Sargent, the Flat Earther, on. Oh, um, yeah. Because... <laughs> flat Earth. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's a little rounder than they think. Do, but... do Flat Earths have earthquakes? course okay so they still have those it's just all part of the simulation brother that's right that's right someone's using the simulation so even if you live in a flat earth you still need emergency preparedness all people here are accepted even flat earthers <laughs> but so we had him on and brogan was at a bar and he had uh just mentioned out loud that he was going to be talking to a flat earther uh which drew uh, ire and disdain <laughs> from the crowd um but then he was like, all right, put your money where your mouth is. And right on the back of a coaster, a question. And so Brogan brought, I don't know, like... Yeah, he had a bunch. He had a bunch of just yeah, questions. I can imagine. Poorly, <laughs> poorly handwritten questions. And uh, we've kind of changed it up a little bit. We've had Brogan go out to other bars. And uh, he was on Bourbon Street for one of them. I don't even remember which one that was. But, I mean... Probably he, a couple of them. A couple of them, just yeah. weekend. Yeah. And so we uh, get all these questions. And uh, some of them range from actual questions to the first question we have today <laughs> what volcano movie is more realistic dante's peak with pierce brosnan volcano with tommy lee jones i don't even know that one or joe versus the volcano with tom hanks <laughs> i have to confess i'm a very bad volcanologist because i've only watched one of those uh, but i've always heard that dante's peak the one i've watched is the most realistic for an eruption in the pacific northwest is it really because it seemed to it see i mean obviously it's gonna Not be a little hollywood. Is realistic yeah it's gonna but... be a little hollywood when it comes to that um but that's one of those things where they're literally running from the ash coming at them and well mount st helens 1980 you get these pyroclastic flows you get this huge amount of ash coming out of it uh, it's it's kind of based on the Mount St. Helens eruption with some acid lakes thrown in there and super hot hot springs and uh, extra lava flows that you can apparently drive across in your truck. Well, Sorry I mean, for the spoiler uh, alerts. But. Uh, so you can't do that then. Um, but when somebody is dealing with, a, with an eruption or something, and if it's something like that, because we have seen something along those lines with Mount St. Helens, 
should you just be like if you see it and you're in your car, should you just be trying to drive away as quickly as possible sort of thing? Should you be hunkering down? Because, I mean, the ash is going to be uh, if it's like something like that, it's going to be turning turning day into night, essentially. And it looks just like a horrifying snowfall. I think if it's coming at you, this is just my totally unscientific theory (laughs) but if it's coming at you like a wall like in a movie yeah yeah, you just yeah just bite it dude (laughs) you're done (laughs) just lay down just go fetal (laughs) well that's the thing that's a possibility though um all these types of events are very unpredictable you can look at some events uh i think it was the 1991 incident eruption in uh, japan where you see if you look up a video of pyroclastic flow there's just this wall of ash coming towards a truck that's driving away and then, like, right when it's about to catch up to him, it just stops. Wow. And that person was extremely lucky. But, I mean, you can always drive away if it's coming towards you and hope that it stops. Cause... And uh, another thing in dealing with um, something along the lines of uh, with, a, with an earthquake or a volcano, maybe not so much with a volcano, but usually earthquakes would kind of, would they, possi- they would possibly be around with a volcano eruption as well. I would Could possibly, but they're not yeah. necessarily related. Uh, one of the other things I was thinking, though, along those lines is dealing with like tsunami stuff because we still have that yeah. worrisome. So I saw a graphic that was showing what would happen if a tsunami <laughs> hit in the, yes. uh, in the Puget Sound. And mm. I was like, oh, yeah, we're fine. We're in Tacoma. We're cool. No. And I'm watching the graphic keep going and going down into Commencement Bay and all this other stuff. And I'm like, oh, we're fine. And no, no, we're not. Brogan and I mm. had that conversation with the guy one time. And, and I was like, dude, what about tsunamis? He's like, yeah, you're like 90 miles in, inland. I'm like, there's tsunami like signs, like, mm-hmm. you know, a, quite a ways in from, from the ocean. So, tsunami us right now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have enough water. um, So, (laughs) it is a hazard in here for sure. And the best idea is just if you feel the ground shaking very strongly um, near the water, you're going to want to get to high ground. Because we do have faults that are even closer than the Cascadia subduction zone. We have a Tacoma fault. What? Um, What? Yeah, there's a Tacoma Fall. It runs right through Tacoma. Really? Um, like where? Like on like is, does it go down like Pacific Avenue? I mean, <laughs> like how close to this are we looking on this? Uh... So I know for sure the Seattle Fall goes right under I-90, but there's a Tacoma one that kind of goes through the northern section, I believe. But I'd have to look at a map. Okay, um, wow. so like the northern up there. I don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Fife's, like probably, north, Fife, no Fife's probably screwed, but uh, you would shake a lot. Yeah, um, this is one that'll be right under the ground, so I'm thinking much more intense shaking. Dude, how um, do you sleep at night? Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like I, I having that knowledge yeah i like i, I yeah you just mess me up for a good week dude <laughs> i'm telling you <laughs> know it's there and be prepared and know uh, that you can do something about it and know to drop cover and hold on when the earthquake happens and that's another thing too seeing the videos you have different videos on that as well uh right on the youtube page is the dropping cover and yeah were you practicing i was not practicing because i'm 40 and unless it's really really important <laughs> i'm not gonna do it but i do have a plan i remember with the was it the 2000 nisqually earthquake or 2001 yeah, 2001 there? yeah that one um that was interesting because brogan and i were living together and with just this evil winch of a woman and uh we ended up i was just gotten i had just gotten off my security guard shift and i was sitting down i was playing some everquest on the uh, you know on the old <laughs> computer and suddenly everything started shaking and i'm like oh my god so the first thing i do is i walk and i go and i stand in the door jam of the bathroom then i look up and i also see that we have these gigantic this high this high ceiling with all of these like windows across like right in front of where i was and i'm like this probably isn't the greatest spot either uh but i mean it, it, it ended and i didn't get hurt so oh, let's see that yeah. worked out yeah mostly 
That was that was Glad pretty that well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was expecting something like no, something to fall. No, the whole building, the whole building shook, and that was mostly terrifying. But it was, I think, at that point, it was one of the more newer constructed uh, apartments. So I think it was supposed to sway a little bit. I don't know. Like Tacoma construction kind of scares me on those sort of terms because we got a lot of old buildings. And uh, we're sitting in one. I know. <laughs> now I know there's a fault that runs under. Yeah, it. Awesome. And we're, <laughs> and we're, we're on the third story. That's fine. I know. Yeah, right? <laughs> Come see the beautiful Union Club. Uh, I'm sweating right now. I know you are. I know you are. Is it just the beer? Maybe. Do you mind if I throw one more thing in about the volcano? Hazard? Please do. Please do. Yeah. Okay. So, this idea of a wall of pyroclastic material coming for- towards you, hot gas and ash. Mm hmm. Um, so again, this is going to happen only an eruption is going to happen with warning here. They're heavily monitored. And one of the things that'll happen as it gets, well, the nice thing about our volcanoes is most of them have federal land around them, whether it's Mount Rainier National Park, Mount Baker National Forest, they can close that ahead of time. Oh, okay. Just know if that's closed, it's for your safety to avoid having these massive ash walls coming towards you. Yeah. Don't maybe go out there, start geocaching right when it's, uh, that time when it's coming, (laughs) but yeah, whatever you do. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they did around Mount St. Helens too. Right. Like they closed it off except for a few people. Right. Yeah. That would have been a lot worse if it wasn't closed. And I mean, like, yeah, it's like, I remember one of the stories of the guy who's like, I'm not leaving my spot. It's my place. And I mean, all the power to you on that. Just realize what's more than likely going to happen we're all about informed decisions <laughs> just yeah. know that your hazards include this massive yeah. pyroclastic flows and things like that it's, yeah it actually does sound terrifying all right next question next question uh what is the most lava proof material that is readily readily accessible in a disaster lava proof yeah is there anything that's lava proof <laughs> Like it's like I don't know mm. like the the steel fireplace thing backer I have I mean I don't know what that's gonna do is that lava proof I don't I am, I would doubt it yeah probably not is there so, is there an actual like underground submarine that they made <laughs> can you just so the thing about lava is it's probably gonna catch a lot of things on fire but it takes a lot of energy for it to melt things mm. I mean you can even look at videos of like lava flowing over snow really it takes a lot of energy for it to melt the snow itself so that energy itself cools some of the lava to the point where it freezes and then it just ends up flowing over itself Ooh. so it can go wow. a long ways like that it can go into the water a little ways really heat up the water and boiling at some points but um, lava is usually going to end up flowing over itself now if it's flowing really close to a wood frame house or something very can easily fire, can catch yeah. that on fire but it's not the lava itself that's going to do that but you are not lava proof <laughs> um, so stay away from them yeah <laughs> Uh, the last of the coaster questions we've got right now. What is the most underrated or overlooked item you should have in a prepper kit? Uh, we did mention the, the comfort items, but what is something else that maybe people don't necessarily um, realize that they're going to need? Well, I'd say yeah, comfort and hygiene. Mm, that's that's yeah. the thing. So <laughs> I found it's, it's a little more common in Japan to have this idea. Um, they gave us my, my boss went to Japan for learning about their earthquake early warning system and how we can use that here. Oh, neat. Um, he came back with something he found in a convenience store, which was a poncho potty. Really? So the idea of this is it's like you put yourself in a bag. Uh, there's some kits. It's kind of like a human litter box inside there. <laughs> all um, right. All right. Yeah. But there you go. How you got to think about how you're going to do that, whether you need to have like a bucket to flush or it's yeah a, it's a really good i mean were you writing that down i was <laughs> you grabbed yeah. your phone you're, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 you're down. yeah yeah well and that was like i just remember even like when you're going camping and you just get one of those uh the toilet seats on a stand yeah. and i mean just something that basic just make sure you're pretty far away from your camping site or else maybe a dog will roll in your own stuff and 
This sounds like a story. It is. Okay. Yeah. So, again, Brogan and I were camping. We were out there. I didn't want to hear it. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you can just infer everything else from that story, but we'll just say that the guy didn't know that his dog was rolling in human action. He had to take him down to the river. (laughs) Also, prepare for your pets if you have pets. Good point. There you go. That's another one. And that's another thing, too. Like, just seriously, like, uh, yeah, have uh, food and. Well, I mean, with the water, just make sure that you're ready for the for your. I'm thinking for my cats. I mean, you got your dog. So. Yeah, I do. Maybe their veterinary records. Oh, good yeah. call. If they have any issues on that end too, um, I've always heard that in a disaster or like a zombie apocalypse, the best place to go is not to the hospital, but to go to the veterinary clinic because they'll have most of the uh, same gear and it won't be bombarded by people who are sick and maybe now zombies. That's all. That's what I'm saying. That's a good point. And that's a question, too. I mean, I think maybe even, and we talked about this with Josh as well. Are you going to talk about zombies right now? Well, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's that sort of everyone's getting uh, emergency prepared on the, you know, the the popularity of all the zombie shows and stuff like that. It's like, what's your zombie plan and what are you going to do? And I always hear a lot of people saying, well, I'm going to go to, you know, I'm going to go to Walmart. I'm going to go to Costco. And I'm like, everybody else is doing that. Maybe not so much, but uh, it's got to be kind of exciting on those sort of terms that people are even just thinking about it just because of Hollywood or like, you know, television uh, boosting up the apocalypse. (laughs) So I think there's a preparedness fest somewhere around uh, Seattle, maybe like Normandy Park area. They do zombie fest every year. Nice. Might not be annual, but they at least had it a couple of years ago. And that was just a big preparedness event. Um, there were a lot of preparedness vendors and things there. We were there. Nice. Um, and so, like, what kind of vendors do you see like that? Is it is it a lot of the uh, like I was talking about with like the Cabela's and the Bass Pro Shop sort of things like those or like, uh, some of those, but more like American Red Cross and then preparedness materials that sort of thing. And um, people can go to like those sites as well to get a lot of information as well. I would yeah. Nice. Um, I do like that. Yeah, we just like to recommend going to your your local emergency management first because they're going to have what's most specific to your area, what you need. Uh, most well-informed in that because they live here. Yeah. And, so. I mean, we have a way different landscape than, like, Nevada, where you're from, yeah, Scott. Yeah. And, I mean, even if you – but if you're on the eastern side of the, the mountains at that same point, it's going to be a completely different needs than what you need on the western side. So yeah, – No tsunamis over there, I don't think. Probably not. I no. really hope not. No. Yeah. But, like, wildfires and stuff you'd yeah, have to deal with. definitely wildfires. Because that's – I mean, we didn't get a whole lot this year. Which was, I mean, nice. You're lucky. But, I mean, I just, I even remember just dealing with uh, that, that one storm that we had here that was just like 1,200 lightning strikes mm-hmm. in just one strip that went almost just like right up I 5. It was really kind of creepy to watch because it was hitting in Puyallup and we were watching the lightning strikes and it was lighting up the whole sky. Yeah, it was neat. Yeah. Did you have to deal with that? Not really. Oh, okay. I don't even think our power went out. Like, it might have flickered a little bit, but I don't even think it went out. Yeah, a lot of people were stressing about it. My wife was stressing about it. She's been stressing a lot about uh, the emergency preparedness. Maybe not so much as you. I don't stress about, about it. it. I just know. I read a lot of dumb shit, right? So I, I read a lot of, like, <laughs> articles about asteroids hitting. Like, I just read a lot of that stuff, man. And so, like, when I see, like, the, the volcano, I just think about it. I'm like, man, that thing could just go off any minute. Yeah, and well, but what I mean, like, what are you gonna you, do? Yeah, you're gonna drive towards it, and you're like, well, here's your plan, and you're yeah. like, it's the whole, you know. I mean, it's beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I, it, like, and and it's great up here because a lot of the roads like um, frame the mountain, like they'll mm-hmm. they, I, and I think they planned it that way, right? Where you turn down certain roads, and and all you see is just this beautiful mountain out there, oh, right? Yeah. yeah, but it's just death. <laughs> it just seems like a giant mountain of death to me. Uh. Well, again, you don't have to think of it that way. Right. Um, again, the, the most of the things that happen are going to be much smaller eruptions. Right. Um, catastrophic is not the norm. 
Um, if it was, well, yeah. we'd have a lot more to worry about. But, but it's happened. Uh, it happens in quite a few places around the, the world, though. I mean, it, it's happened. We've had volcano eruptions all the time, right? It's true. Yeah. There's currently 45 to 50 volcanoes erupting right now around yeah. the world. That's crazy. That's and, crazy. And 40, I mean, did you hear that? Yeah. And you just, you're just you like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was like, if it's around the world, I understand around the world, dude. but I'm like usually more focused about what's going on over here. Uh, Jeff, uh, what do you got over there, dude? So I have a, a uh, coaster question oh, from nice. Christopher. And it says, as we are set on the ring of fire, which area is higher risk? California's fault line or Washington's Mount Rainier? Ooh. Oh, well, that's tough to compare. Um, so we can certainly compare seismic hazard on that. Mm-hmm. Um, we're second highest in the United States, right behind California, because they have a lot more people living right in the immediate risk zone from that fault line oh, okay. than we have from the Cascadia subduction so zone. So population then. So population and how frequently the earthquakes happen oh. as well. Um, that's kind of how they do it, but... Our volcanic hazards are completely different, so it's tough to say. I mean, if we had to pick which one would go next, Mount St. Helens has erupted the most frequently. Um, And those have tended to happen, like, on average every 30 to 50 years, an eruption. I mean, Um, so we're due. I mean, everything's rebooting quicker than the uh, volcanoes are going. So our volcanoes are better than their earthquakes. That's what you're saying? Well, they're certainly better to look at. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah! Like you said. (laughs) And, I mean, they already got all their own problems in that. But uh, a good point was brought up by that. Thanks again for uh, the coaster question, Chris. Um, Thank you. (laughs) And uh, is uh, we're on the Ring of Fire. And, I mean, like you were just talking about that with all the the volcanoes and such. But we do – there's – historically like through all of this that we have all of these potential issues with this entire volcanic system yeah well you're taking the time to learn about them now so yeah that's that's good that's empowering you to know what you can do about it and really it's just any kind of eruption don't be in the way don't be in that place at that time know how to evacuate in a hurry so like puyallup this year they evacuated nine thousand school kids that's perfect. That's what they should be doing. Wow. Um, Ording does at least a thousand every year. They're super close too, right? Isn't yeah. Ording like they only have a few minutes notice um, or something? They have about an hour approximately. Oh, okay. So from what's the few out? Like 90? An hour to three hours. Oh, okay. So See? these things can, it depends bad. on how much water's in them. It depends mm-hmm. um, how much other material's in them. Maybe they picked up some bridges along the way because they can do that. Um, wow. But That's part of trip, it too right? is... Yeah. <laughs> Like it, I, it is. I've, I've seen like uh, you know, any, like again, looking them on YouTube, and you see like footage of uh, of, of like flash floods and stuff like this. And mm-hmm. it, it's one thing to see those and be like, oh yes, this is something it can do. But it's another thing if you're in the midst of it oh, and yeah. trying to keep a level head is is going to be um, hard at best with that. So just being able to go through these and have it be a little bit of a muscle memory or a second nature exactly. is going to help you in a, in a long run when you're panicking, when you're trying to think of where you know, family members are and you know, go pick up the pets and do all these different things. Mm-hmm. You need to just have a, a plan and you need to practice with those plans because you don't know when anything's going to happen. Yeah. So uh, one thing with that as well is you got to get all those things together, but they've run traffic simulations and things like that. And if everybody in Ording gets in their car, a lot less people are getting out on time. Mm -hmm. Um, So practice walking your routes because really that's going to be what gets you out of there on time. That's a good Um, point. Keep those roads open for emergency responders, especially Um, the fire department down there is really good at getting in there. (laughs) Um, They practice. They're the first ones on the road as soon as that siren goes off. Are they? Do they have, they need like special like snowplow. 
attachments just to, to get the cars, the cars out, of out of the way. It's like yeah. Mad Max sort of yeah, stuff why going not? on. <laughs> <laughs> Bring your bulldozer, just push it out of the way. That's another one. Find out who the general uh, contractors are around your area and oh. where they keep all of their, their heavy equipment. equipment. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case, you never know. You, know, you, never, you never know. I have to armor Whoa. some things. <laughs> uh, Brian Turbush, thank you again so much. Uh, again, the Washington State Emergency Management Division, uh, mil.wa.gov slash prepared or preparedness. Preparedness is a good place preparedness. to start. Preparedness. <laughs> there we go. And we have all the links on all of that. Thank you for spending some time with us. Um, and seriously, everyone out there, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you guys want to help us out monetarily, financially, and help us get the gear and help us do some fun stuff. Yeah, we didn't to, talk about our Patreon at all, huh? We didn't. Now we're talking about it. Yeah. We're kind of leaving it towards the end I on know. that. Everybody's hanging up right now. <laughs> yeah, which is fine, but because uh, we got the links right there. But uh, patreon.com slash gridcitypodcast. Uh, four bucks a month gets you access to all of the old school uh, episodes with Brogan and Scott and uh, Derby Girls and yeah. Comedians Spitting those in His the Beer. Ones, really? Were those really the best ones? <laughs> really going to say that right now? No. Huh? They right probably there? aren't. But it also gets you access to the live feed. And, but they're only uh, four bucks too, right? Exactly. And that's a buck, a buck an episode so yeah. for a month. That's so what we do. Very, very helpful in that. Yep. Higher tiers will get you sweet gear from Shroom Brothers, including the limited edition t-shirts. They are, because I think I have to change them up. I have too many black and white t-shirts in my thing. I oh, really? To, yeah, so we're going to have to get some color to that? Yes, man. So let us know if you guys have suggestions on what should be the next color for our shirts or the colors that you would like to see. And, I mean, if you order them in specific colors, we'll make that happen. Yeah, we could do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Uh, again, also, find us at gridcitypodcast.com. All of our social media is right there. And, I mean, right here, you can just click it and do all that fun stuff. Send us some feedback. Give us five stars on on uh, Apple Podcasts or whatever thing you listen to us on. Because if you do that, you send a, maybe a screenshot of it and send us a, a message about that you did that. And you know what? We'll send you some stickers. Yeah, we could do that. Because we got a lot of stickers from diecutstickers.com and they've been pretty awesome in uh, helping us out with all of that stuff. And yep. uh, I mean, you heard it on this episode because that's the ad that I ran. Ooh. Yeah, see, look at that. Um, but seriously, guys, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Get your ass prepared out there. Mm. Go to the Washington State Emergency Management Division mil.wild.gov to get all of that information. Brian, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thanks a lot for having me. You've been listening to the Grid City Podcast. Check them out at gridcitypodcast.com. Yeah.